Welcome back to May Contain Violence. Here we're going to be looking at the zombies, or continue our look at it, zombies. With me is Mal. Brains! I am David, your host, <laughs> and um, let's get into it. Uh, last time we talked about uh, the Romero era, uh, of at least his first three films. And uh, what, well, what I forgot to ask you uh, to get your opinion on is what do you, um, how do you classify a zombie movie? Like, what is your classification of it? Oh, that's so hard. Because, I mean, the, the definition of zombie is, like, rising from the dead. Like, that's the zombie that we were introduced to in the Romero um, films. And all like everything since it's it's come things that are reanimated and come back from the dead, but now because of how broad it is with the viruses and computer generated and everything else, I, I would say like right to its core, it's reanimated corpses, and that's a zombie film for me. Yeah, because you could throw um... in at everything else, right? But it it just it the more you go into like rage viruses and et cetera the less it becomes a zombie. I think once, <clears throat> once you get a thing created over time, you'll get all these different offshoots. Mm -hmm. And um, so you, you'll have changes in the formula, which could be good, which could be used to invigorate the, uh, the original um, idea. Mm -hmm. Will help to bring new fans into it. And then, you know, maybe... They'll, they'll discover the uh, the original source and whatnot. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, with that, I pose this to you: Is uh, Frankenstein a zombie movie? It is not. <laughs> as Why? far as I'm, no, because uh, he's not a re like he's not a whole reanimated corpse. He's the parts of different people, and that's a whole different thing. He's a creation of man. Like zombies are already pre-existing bodies of people that reanimate. They're still the whole person. Like Frankenstein was assembled. Mm -hmm. Like he's he's a creation of man. I, I and I mean we. This is where that whole broad definition of zombie comes from. That I'm I just. It's like it's so hard to say yes or no. But for for what it's worth, I don't think Frankenstein is a zombie because also when you think about. The, the story of Frankenstein is the fact that he develops a, a higher level of intelligence over time. And it's mm -hmm. that whole question of, are these his own newly created memories? Or are these the memories of the brain that they took from that, whatever that hang, hanged man, you know? So I think there's that, just that whole, that being created by man. I'm like, mm -mm, nope. Nope. <laughs> the whole point of the zombie is that we don't know how they reanimated. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say I would say he'd be more like of a cousin of, of, of the zombie um, genre. Um, mm -hmm. the, the very fact it is he is a reanimated corpse, even if he is a patchwork job. Um, <laughs> and, you know, every everything was dead about him. Included in his brain uh, until uh, they brought him back. Yeah. Uh, in, in the book, of course, he exhibited much more intelligence than the movie. 
than the average, yeah. But also, uh, than the if we're talking about the old Universal Frankenstein, yes. But yeah. if we're talking about the newer Kenneth Branagh version, they sort mm-hmm. of developed that character. Well, I mean, it's Robert De Niro, well, but that character more. He has more intelligence, yeah. more feeling. Oh, and, they, and they, more questions. they run closer. Yeah, they run closer to the book. Uh, yeah. That one as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with you there. Um, okay. I was just just curious. <laughs> guys, we... You're catching me in like a catch twenty two situation where I could be like yes, but it's not. <laughs> yes and no, it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if you think of it, uh, in Day of the Dead, Romero kind of tried to do that as well when when he was um, having them experiment on the the uh, the bud uh, zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were trying to teach him and bring back intelligence and uh, memories that uh, were like dormant in him. Mm-hmm. So I, I think in in Day of the Dead you started to get a bit of um, I think there was a bit of a tribute to Frankenstein in in, in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly a departure of what he was doing in the two previous uh, films. Yeah. He he kind of hinted at it in Dawn because you have all these zombies flocking to the malls and then like wandering the malls as if oh this is what we did when we were alive. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in that day, it really started to uh, he, he started to experiment with okay what what remains of a person's humanity in this walking corpse. Yeah, I mean, but that the, he also carried that on in Land of the Dead which uh, like you haven't seen, but I've seen. So they sort of bring up the fact that, oh, these walking corpses are starting to sort of develop a central intelligence. And they do it with that lead zombie character that's a former gas station attendant. And he just starts to get more and more aware. He gets more and more self-aware of everything. And it's sort of that whole idea of like, they the, in this world they've sort of turned them into slaves and are utilizing them for their basic functions, but um, but then the the lead zombie of that film, the one that starts to become more and more aware, is just he's awakening to it. And he, he's just like, oh, but my memories are sort of coming back. He doesn't communicate that, but it's just by the way that he acts and the way that he grunts and and interacts with the other zombies that he starts to show signs of rage, sort of sadness, disappointment, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that comes across like Romero, what Romero was trying to do in Day of the Dead sort of carries on inland. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I still have to watch that. That one's a good one. And I saw that one in theater. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen... Other than Night, which which was playing at a uh, a local uh, theater, I I haven't seen any of those originals in the theater. Oh, so mm-hmm. oh, on the good old VHS. <laughs> um, I didn't even see the remake of Dawn in the theater. I saw I, I watched that on DVD. <laughs> I I saw that in theaters, and it was so much fun. It's it. There's something about going to see those movies in theaters that just that that fun of it. Yeah. I mean, I've since seen zombie films in in theaters, and they, yeah, they they're, they're a lot of uh, fun with the group. Did you ever go to Zombie Night at Toronto After Dark when they used to do the zombie walks beforehand, and everyone went in I, makeup? I did 
well, I, I did walk in a zombie walk, but I um, I didn't see any of the lead up stuff before that. Uh, some of the people, like, uh, I, I volunteered one year at Toronto After Dark, and that was when the uh, director himself of Toronto After Dark um, got married. Okay. And they did a whole zombie wedding, like a whole <laughs> zombie-themed wedding. And, yeah. and and they came in in, like, glass caskets. It was really cool. Like, they showed oh, pictures of man. it on zombie night. And That's- that was when I used to do my own makeup, and that was so much fun. I miss kind of doing that kind of stuff, which is putting on the makeup, making the like the liquid latex and creating wounds and stuff like that. But it was su- it's it was such an experience. It was so much fun. And people it, they would go, um, what do we want? And the audience would be like, brains. And when do we want it? Brains. <laughs> so much fun. I, I kind of miss that sort of um, sort of just culty feeling and and sort of experience uh, that it used to have i miss my my horror community hashtag horror fam yeah um, horror fam <laughs> we miss you we we want to be a part of that whole film going experience again <laughs> yeah i i really just started dipping my toe into it in, in the last uh well i can't say last three years but uh three years prior to the our, our lockdown pandemic mm-hmm. um I, I just started really to get into that <laughs> take it away from me all right yeah well i, I mean what we ran into each other that 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 was yeah three years ago now is it three years ago yeah was it was it the last toronto after dark yeah the very like the last one they we ran into each other at that really cool sci-fi film that they did yeah yeah uh, that's right yeah, I can't think of the name of it, but it was super fun. And... Uh, it was, was Blood Machines. Was it that one? I can't remember. Or was it the one with Pedro Pascal? Pedro Pascal, yeah. I love him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we ran into each other then. But that was after they had moved to Scotiabank and they sort of lost their independent feel to it, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah I I didn't see any of the the stuff prior to that. Although um, Blood in the Snow has kind of taken their place in that indie feel. Yeah, know. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, sorry, side sidetrack side there. <laughs> um, but uh, so we have here. So a- after Day of the Dead is released, there's a bit of a kind of a dry spell mm-hmm. where the zombie stuff um which was really kept alive by video games because in 96 the resident evil uh game series started and that helped carry the genre until its (laughs) re-resurrection um (laughs) in in the early 2000s yes and which started with well started in north america with the the walking dead comic book yes by by robert kirkman and uh tony moore oh yeah he only did the first six volumes unfortunately yeah Yeah, he did uh not six volumes sorry first six issues yeah (laughs) uh Um, volumes issues (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was around for the first six issues uh, although he 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 did like the first uh he did he kept on with covers though yeah Uh, 
he, he did cut. I really liked Tony Moore's art on that too. That was the um, that was the thing that drew me in was his artwork. Uh, he was yeah. it's it's just it has such a different feel to it, and it just yeah, seems so real. Yeah, yeah, it was it was he had a really nice clean style, clean but but detailed style. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Charlie Adler uh, mm-hmm. came. After and continued on the, the series but anyways um yeah i i kind of contribute the the, the re- resurrection of the zombie genre to um four or five factors and mm-hmm. the first one first one being uh the walking dead uh comic book mm-hmm. the um uh, 28 days later yes i will get to whether it's a zombie film or not but whether you believe it is or isn't, it can definitely contributed to its resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead by Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. And then um, a couple weeks after that, Sean. Sean of the Dead mm-hmm. yeah, by um, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. Um, but let's dial it back a bit and talk The Walking Dead comic book mm-hmm. um, when did you get into it i got into it it wasn't immediately like after its release but i think i got into it uh, a year later in 2004 it was one of those just one-off i was in the bookstore and just going going up and down the aisles looking for something new to read i just finished a uh, death note which was yes. i was kind of in that more dark comic manga reading at that point and i looked at the cover looked at the artwork and i was just blown away and then i started to read the story and i was even more blown away because it was just such a human experience but in an apocalyptic post-apocalyptic zombie world and um i just i connected with all of the characters and more so like i just following rick on his journey and finding his family the conflict between him and his former his partner his friend um shane mm-hmm. and that 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 sort of triangle between shane rick and lori and and but the also the tertiary group members with their own stories going on that really just really drew me in and it was just it was so human it was so real it was so relatable in terms of a story that it just i i I ran with it and just kept going um but i was kind of sad by the ending like i mean they ended two years ago and i Mm -hmm. I was not happy with the ending unfortunately i mean no one's going to be happy with the ending but i just (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah we'll 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 get to the ending and we'll well, by the way, this is a spoiler podcast, so <laughs> if there's something you really don't want to listen to, you might want to skip ahead. Well, it's already but, been out in the ether for two yeah, years, we, so. We, given it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's enough time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a, so it's a black and white comic, mm-hmm. which is pretty rare, especially from a big publisher like Image Comics. Yes. Um, and, and brought through... Kirkman's imprint, uh, Skybound. Um, it's uh, let's see here. Information here. 
Okay, it was the so the first issue was released in, on an event called Free Comic Book Day, Ooh. which is an annual event uh, put on by um, comic book shops and comic companies in order to raise awareness and uh, of the comic book industry as well as the the stores that uh, sell them. Mm-hmm. And it's usually always uh, in May and usually coincides with the release of whatever comic book film is being released that month. Okay, so usually the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, usually it's a Marvel movie, although I think there has been a couple where it's been like an indie one or even a DC one just happens to, to fall in May. Um, and so, yeah, the, that first issue was a free comic um it's worth now quite a lot (laughs) but um i remember my my personal memory of it was i was working at a comic book store at the time Mm -hmm. up in oshawa ah the shwiggity yeah shout shout out to new books um spelled g-n-u as in the animal yeah (laughs) um but yeah so I, i was working there and and that shop um it was run by a uh, gentleman who I would say heavily favored Marvel and DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I mean, not surprising why they, they brought in the money. Um, they're the two biggest publishers in comics. Yeah. Uh, and so he, I would, but I would always kind of fight to bring in some indies. Mm-hmm. Um, like I increased his, like I would bring Hellboy. Uh, I would, you know, push get Hellboy more issues in and, and and just some general indie comics um from, from image spawn spawn was always a good seller as well. oh yeah spawn yeah yeah um still going too yep um but uh and then this this comic came out on free comic book day mm-hmm. and i was already a fan of zombies so I, I i took an issue uh took an issue home and I was blown away, like like you. I was with the um, with with the dialogue, with the the character developments, with the the bleak setting, and, and the black and white art just added to that kind of desolation. Yeah, uh, that that it brought um, the beautiful, beautiful, horrific art of the of the zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was that first issue where we saw the and, you, and it was recreated in the television uh, series the uh the zombie at the side of the road mm-hmm. uh the, the female one bicycle girl like, i have the bi- bicycle girl. <laughs> i have a i actually have a plate with bicycle girl on it oh okay <laughs> it'll eventually then... go up <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was that that image and and like the look on rick's face as he like almost pitied it. Yeah. Um, Rick Grimes, the main character. Well, you see the um, tear one tear rolling down his cheek. Yeah. At the point. Yeah. It, it, it's it, it was it was just groundbreaking. Oh yeah. Um, did you see the one off so of put... that too? The when Nicotero did the one offs uh, on uh, AMC.com where he did the origin story. Oh, her story. Yeah. Yes. That was good yes, too. But yeah, that was really <laughs> it's a bicycle girl and. And then the first six issues, which were just by far, like, I mean, the rest of them have been amazing. But yeah, the first issue where we're, we wake up with Rick and we're following him along on his journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and uh yeah it, it it hooked me and and i i uh i pushed um uh, jeff who was my boss at the time he was uh i just pushed him to like order copies of the series do it like do get, it now get them on the <laughs> trust me on this i said trust this is this is this is going to get readers yeah and um it's, it's so different and we need something other than superheroes on our shelf. <laughs> oh, definitely. And, um, yeah. So, and, and, and he did, he ordered, uh, he ordered number two uh, in, um, I think he ordered like maybe a, a dozen or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the orders just kept on increasing, increasing, increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Cool thing about Robert Kirkman. He has these big letter pages yeah. at the end of the comics. Like, two full no sorry four full pages of letters um i think he had sent out uh preview copies of this so he, he could have letters in, in the first mm-hmm. one as well as he has like a big uh just like talk what what influenced him and, and what yeah just um, like you know we are the walking it always ended with the, we are the walking dead basically those letter that letter yeah yeah um and yeah that revelation i can't remember if that revelation came in the first six issues or not um but um yeah it was just, and because yeah kirkman would make it like you would feel part of the book because you it feels like he was talking directly to you through his editorial and, and letters yeah. page in the back and he never gave like short answers either he always like he'd read your letter and then give a big uh expansive uh reply yeah. i think that was the first um, time like you really uh, like aside from stanley having done that um in some of his Mm -hmm. issues like where you he sort of took that stanley style where he felt you felt relate he was relatable he wasn't removed oh yeah from everyone you know so i i enjoyed that immensely in the first few issues for sure those those letters Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i uh i thought it was a good way to uh, to connect with people Mm -hmm. um but there was a bit of controversy when uh, that came out, uh, mainly from the beginning, because mm-hmm. a lot of people thought he stole from uh, 28 Days Later. Oh, certainly. he It, it and, definitely has some influence from there, for sure. Yeah. But it was, it really, it was, uh, it was a coincidence. Um, 28 Days was released first in uh, the year before at, at the, uh, the end of 2001, mm-hmm. I believe in november and it didn't come to north america for like like another yeah it didn't make its way across the pond to then yeah yeah and it was you know distributor wise uh and it just coincided um with the release of the walking dead so uh, it was just bad time and he he hadn't even seen 28 days later uh before that and um yeah it was just just a coincidence happy coincidence i mean sometimes that happens that that kind of you see sometimes um movies with the same theme or tone come out at almost the same time yeah yeah it's it's true that's absolutely true i mean is there some similarities across between 28 days later and walking dead in the first few issues absolutely yeah but But as it continues on mm -hmm. completely different narrative oh yes yeah, um, I, w- I would say the only s- significant similarities is the uh, focus on um, character and the uh, 
the kind of fall of civilization or um, after the fall of civilization. Yeah, the rebuilding uh, and uh, recreating a world, a new world. But um, yeah, so Walking Dead was a huge hit. Mm -hmm. It's frequently found itself. I mean, it just built and built and built. And, and when the trade paperback started getting collected, then it really shot up in popularity. Yeah. Now people would, would appear on Amazon and, and, and the, uh, the audience grew exponentially. And those trade paperbacks were always in the top 10 of, um, of, of the month they came yeah. out for top graphic novels. And even the regular, the single issues were appearing in the top 10, beating things like Batman and, and Spider-Man. And it was, it was a phenomenon. It, it, it was. And, and I mean, it's just a testament to the story too. Like just how good of mm -hmm. a, like how good of a, like an, such an originally good story too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you like the characters, um, but it also had a, anyone could die in Yes. This. So it had such a heavy, dramatic feel to that. Um, you know, death could come at any time. Even at the beginning, Rick Grimes might have died. He can't. He had a few close calls. Yeah. And even though he was our lead, that doesn't didn't make him safe. No. Uh, after a while, you started to realize, like, okay, this guy's not going to die anytime no. soon. But um, at the at the first twenty or so issues, like yeah, he, Rick Grimes totally yeah. Died. But he was a de facto leader of the uh, well, yeah. the the group out of um, Atlanta, just outside of Atlanta, and right. I mean, you you had yeah, you had Rick, you had Shane, you had Dale, you had Glenn, and then you had Lori and and um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Carl. Carl and then you had um yeah. Sophia and uh Carol and yeah and then you had that uh Amy and um what's her name Andrea and Amy and that was the core group mm -hmm. yeah yep and um I think when when did we lose the first of the the core what it, it was within the first six it was issues, Shane. wasn't it it was Shane losing his mind turning his gun on Rick, basically telling him mm -hmm. he ruined everything by coming back because he had a nice yeah, little insta-family he... set up with uh, Lori and Carl, kind of realizing yeah. that, oh, all along, he was sort of like side-eyeing this whole situation, going, hmm, I want this for myself. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, where he goes, you know, they're arguing about leaving the campground. This is after, actually, sorry, it was Amy that dies first. She gets bit. And, That's right. During the night. Yeah, and and then it just kind of uh, Amy, and then oh, I forgot the the um, the auto mechanic guy. I can't think of his name, but where he got bit but wasn't turned yet. He had a slow turn. I can't think oh, of right. his name because no, it's a... <laughs> <laughs> very very short. Yeah, very short-lived character. He <clears throat> was he was a you know he was a he was a good man, and I mean you think about all the backstories and how much trauma they had seen before Rick had made it to them. So you can understand yeah. why Shane was sort of breaking down. He had, he had had this de facto leadership. People looked up to him, listened to him, 
and and he felt you know he felt good about that and then he had this like he had rick's family so he had the insta family and then rick comes in he's by far a better leader unfortunately (laughs) for jane Jane, he's a better leader that's his family so he's Lori's gonna jump back in with that because she loves her husband through and through yeah and then people you know they have that major fight and and then Mm -hmm. the showdown and then it wasn't rick that that shoots him it's carl that shoots him through the neck and he's screaming don't hurt my daddy don't hurt my daddy and then (laughs) and then (laughs) you just see him like it's a shot right through the neck so it's just a perfect clean like and you didn't see it coming but you, then you just the, that next frame where it's uh, it's Carl holding the gun, going, "Don't hurt my daddy," and then he drops, yeah. and that's yeah. it. And, he, and then there's that whole like that whole exchange between Rick and Carl, where it's like, "Does it always feel this way when you when you kill somebody?" And yeah. Rick goes, "No, <laughs> it's not always that way." Yeah. And I love that exchange. Um... Yeah, it, it that was that was a great moment, um, and it was it, it showed that even amongst like this this threat of zomb- uh, you know being devoured by zombies, it's the human element and drama that that drives mm-hmm. the book. I mean, the it doesn't have to be zombies; it could be any type of disaster that's just the backdrop to the human yeah. drama um, that, that is within the, uh, the book mm-hmm. and uh, which the show adopts too. Um, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're caught up in this and it's not zombies that get Shane. It's, it's this kid trying to protect his uh, father. Yeah. And it's, and, it's um, I think the, the, it really catapults even Carl's story because this is a, this, he's a young mm-hmm. child. He's not, I don't think he's even eight years old at that point. He's fairly young. Right. And and this is just after Lori and Rick had had a huge fight about Carl learning how to use a gun. Then the zombies attack the That's team right. camp and he is able to defend his mother. And then she realizes, okay, this yeah. was a good idea. I just don't feel yeah. comfortable with my son using a gun. And then it's this whole thing, you know, it's yeah. just, it's, it's, it's it, it just kind of just comes together so beautifully in it like the evolution it, show- <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it shows how much the rules have to change that your the the rules of society change not necessarily like have to completely break down because if you have it completely break down then you have um other examples of uh like later on with like with the governor and uh, mm-hmm. but with the, the rules have to change of, of your society it's like okay kids shouldn't carry guns well guess what if they don't carry guns then they could be because they can't defend themselves with a stick they're not strong enough or or whatnot so you have to teach your kids to carry to guns but you know teach them well and it's it's this change of of priorities if someone gets bit you can't bring them back into the camp even even though they're like a loved one because they are going to change and there's nothing you can do to stop yeah. that unless you're unless you're lucky and you get lop off whatever's bitten yeah. quick enough um 
and that happened to Rick. And uh, I was I was always sad to see that did not happen in the TV show. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I think well they did it really well with other groups. Yeah, like other people in the group and. The, the thing that really, really pissed me off about the first and second season was the fact that they let Shane live beyond the first half. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, I like what they did with the evolution of his character because he was a really good villain for the first two seasons before we got the governor. Yeah. But yeah. just that whole internal struggle of Rick wanting to to hope like that initial hope that oh my friend he's just going through some stuff right now and but you see how willing Shane is to sacrifice things in order to have what he wants in life and Lori and and Carl and Rick out of the picture and he's willing to do that with other Mm -hmm. like he's willing to drop other characters in order to do that, he's willing to throw Otis under the bus, and he's willing to yeah. throw Dale under the bus. At that point, and poor Dale. Dale. That broke my yeah, heart. Yeah, I like this. Stuff. I know because he's too. so awesome it... in the comics. Like, I mean, he's basically yeah. he's the reason why in the comics Andrea is so awesome. Because I think they like. I mean, yeah. Spoiler alert, they have a relationship in the comics and he's like 60 years old and she's in her mm-hmm. 20s. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. This is the new world. <laughs> yeah. It, again, again, uh, yeah, it, it, it has to change. Um, like the, the rules of society and the views of society are, are yeah. different now. And it's just survival. And if you can find happiness with whoever, freaking yeah, you exactly. go for it. Yeah. And I I I love that whole dynamic between um, Andrea and Dale in the comics because it just I don't know why it plays so beautifully. Like I, I guess it's just how Kirkman mm-hmm. has written this had written the story in terms of I didn't feel cringe about their relationship at all. No. It was like such a like a simple but quick evolution of their relationship because they had been sort of involved prior to mm-hmm. the the group coming together there was some sort of hint at they they were involved or he was a protector because they'd met each other on the road well they if if memory serves right they the group got split up right and and Dale and Andrea ended up with the RV together until they started to get back together um, again yeah so they, they had, had spent some but no that was that was after the the prison like they got split up because of oh, what okay. happened at the prison. They all had to make a quick getaway, but um, they basically sort of like it's prior to that they they came to the came together with the group meeting on the road, and Andrea and Amy had met Dale and sort of taken refuge with him prior, and then okay, there's some hint at like something may have been going on there that they're but there's, it's just like a, it's a rumor basically started by one of the parents. Um, oh yeah. It was mm-hmm. the other couple, Alan and the two kids, Billy and Ben. And then his wife, I can't think mm-hmm. of her name because it's, she doesn't make it very far. She makes it to issue seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, she, she goes, Oh, I don't like the fact that, you know, that it, there's something wrong going on there. And then, and then, yeah. 
then by issue seven, after after they sort of are on the road looking for a place to stay, they've left the camp. It's not safe there anymore. And um, she 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 walks in the room into the room on Andrea and Dale. Um, in the throes of passion, mm-hmm. and is like, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool. Shuts the door, walks away. And you can see her sort of accepting of it at that yeah. point, where it's like, ah, she lost somebody. It's okay. We're gonna shut the door here. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I just yeah. love that yeah. dynamic. And did uh, boy, I've been really long time. Did Dale's wife or Dale had Dale was married? Yeah, before, right? there's some sort of hint that like okay. she died before the apocalypse. They were on okay. like he was basically continuing a trip that they had planned prior to Mm -hmm. there's some like they don't say what she passed away from but that he was alone he he was recently widowed but it was relatively yeah yeah Yeah. okay yeah and then with with losing her sister so they both had just recently yeah and they sort of come together and then they adopt the two kids Mm -hmm. alan's kids alan and uh what's her name's kids (laughs) yeah insta family Uh, kurt yeah kurtman just he knows how to write the human yeah. element and he writes it so well. Um, and it's, he, he saw, I mean, he saw Romero's films as a uh, heavy mm-hmm. inspiration, obviously. The, these are like right out of Romero's uh, slow walking, uh, react to sounds or, 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 or scent. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much um, uh, a homage mm-hmm. to that. Um, and uh, it, it's funny the uh, the it took him like three pitches to to get this series yeah. made. Uh, yeah, uh, first time he pitched it, uh, it was going to be very much a okay. We're we're taking off right from Night of the Living Dead, and we're going to yeah. the sixties. Yeah, and um, the uh, editor at the time says, uh, "No, you you should make it your own. We don't." You know, we don't want to you know, piggyback off yeah. the property. Yeah. Um, so uh, he he pitched it again, and uh, it was rejected. Um, just it it was too slow yeah. apparently. So he it, for his third pitch, he said, "Okay, well, the new twist is that it was a plague sent by aliens." <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of an alien mm-hmm. invasion and uh, uh jim valentino who was the editor at the time uh said oh yeah let's go for that and so kirkman basically lied fake it till you make it fake it till <laughs> you make then, it kids <laughs> yep he just he just uh he told him that but it was never about aliens he just did his uh his modern uh mm-hmm. zombie uh zombie story and um he uh he got yeah. it. Made. <laughs> hey, Whatever sometimes, works. like I said, you have to fake it till you make it. Make you know, you gotta make a little white lie to to go and, and do what you want. <laughs> uh, it ran for one hundred and ninety three uninterrupted yep. issues, which is huge achievement in the um, in any market, not just an indie market. Uh, with with all the reboots that the two big two mm-hmm. do with Marvel and DC, um, it's usually the indie market 
that you'll see a continuous mm-hmm. number of uh, no reboots. I mean, look at uh, yeah. Hellboy, yeah. never had a reboot. Look at Judge Dredd, never had a reboot over, over in the UK. Spawn's never had a reboot, um, I the, don't think. Nope, nope. Spawn is, still has the original numbering. Um, Savage mm-hmm. Dragon, uh, still going by Eric Larson. Um, and these are all indie indie comics. I mean, Hellboy doesn't have a like one to one hundred issue counts. He he always does this in story arcs, and he always renumbers mm-hmm. in story arcs. Magnolia, um, but he's never gone back and and no. started over either. It's always been and um, uh, yeah, he and he, and he, and he yeah. jumps eras and all that, but. Never, never, never retold. No, and, and I think that's, Absolutely. I think that's the, sure. the brilliance, though, is just don't go back. Like, I mean, keep creating. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just get, I get so frustrated like, with the Spider-Man mm-hmm. reboots and, and and so forth. Like, I just get really like, yeah. I just get that. Like, I mean, even the new Fifty Two series from DC, where I was just so frustrated mm-hmm. with it. I was just like. Why do we need to reboot all of these characters once again so that we just get a grittier story? Why don't we just go to grittier stories within the yeah. in the um the history? Yeah. You know, we just ugh. <laughs> now, the, now the difference being is that you've had how many writers working on Batman where you've had one writer working on like Hellboy and The Walking Dead and all that. So continuity is much less of a problem with the creator-owned work than yeah. with the big publishers. But I'm just going to do the so eye roll. <laughs> I, there is one. No, no, I know. I'm not saying it's an ex- a valid excuse or a good excuse, but there there is difference uh, in that. Um, so it is harder to keep. And then you have your characters appearing in other yeah. books and all that. But it, I think you could just keep what you want and drop what you don't. And if some continuity gets screwed up along the way, what people are going to complain about are, are like nitpicky <laughs> fans. Um, just kind of like, okay, well, you know, understand this is our publishing model and, you know, some things will be missed because we put mm-hmm. out a lot of comics and, um, you know, just, you you just have to accept it, you know? And uh, it, it's, it's this, it's this constant rebooting in that, which in, will give you a short burst of um, uh, readership at the beginning, like increased readership, but you're going to lose more of the older readers yeah. that way eventually. And, um, you know, with, with The Walking Dead and all these other guys, they, they don't do that. You know, when, once they have their audience, they pretty much yeah. keep their audience and now, now we're seeing all these uh, studios now looking at the independents. Um, you know, now that Dis- you know DC is locked up with Warner Brothers, so no one will ever make a DC comic other than Warner Brothers. No one will ever make a Marvel um, show other yeah. than Disney. But you have all these indies floating out there now and doing deals with um, networks. And I'm finding. I'm enjoying most of these indies more than the stuff the the big guys are putting out because they are breaking boundaries. Well, then, yeah, they, they don't are... have to follow a formula. That's the thing, too. 
that's the big problem with these big studios is like especially with the marvel cinematic universe is just that they have to follow that formula every single time they introduce a character and it's just it gets it it it, yeah. it gets frustrating because it's like i just need a i need a breath of fresh air i need a break from the the setup of the hero story it was good for the first like the first yeah. six um avengers characters but can we just do something different with the tertiary like outsider like newly addition characters i was so yeah. hoping for that with all yeah. like captain marvel and i know black panther i was hoping that they would break that formula mold and no not at all <laughs> yeah no no i mean yeah yeah it's and but 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 with shows like the walking dead and um, oh, yes. the umbrella Thank academy God. and the boys what we're now we're seeing way more creativity we're seeing them we're seeing like r-rated mm-hmm. material you know for grown-ups you know it's comics aren't just for kids um we see people gravitate and they're able to tell broader stories they're able to tell stories with lgbtq characters there's done way more uh, racial yeah. diversity and and you know without like replacing having to replace characters that were white with racial diverse characters no we're straight out from the gate we have a diverse cast straight out thank god for that because holy crap and i mean it's just people with like the characters with flaws like real humanity that i that just comes across right and that's what i enjoy so much about the walking dead is just the human the Mm -hmm. sheer humanity of it these people are flawed. They have their own hangups. They're not, you know, your run-of-the-mill good guy, bad guy situational things, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 these gray characters uh, that fall between black and white, which are the more mm-hmm. interesting ones. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it is a breath of fresh air, and uh, The Walking Dead really helped pave the way uh, for that. I mean, yeah, there were other indie films beforehand uh, based on, on characters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there were some good ones too, uh, like The Crow and, and Hellboy. Um, they both had really uh, great films. Um, but uh, with, with The Walking Dead, it really showed the power of yeah. the comic book and the rich 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 material you can you can uh get from them and translate onto yeah. the smaller who, big screen and who is the batter villain in the comic books who do you think is the biggest baddest villain of the walking dead uh i mean in terms of shocking actions it probably would probably be negan but i actually i, really I like, the like it the comic uh, version the comic of the governor version. was just really well done yeah yeah um yeah negan he definitely followed after the governor and it felt like oh let's make someone badder than the governor like more badass than the governor um so i but the the governor to me like made the mold of of that and uh he seemed he's he seemed like a character He, he like not a villain like a villain never thinks mm-hmm. he's doing anything villainous he seemed more like that negan 
felt like I'm a bad guy. And he and doesn't he care that he's a bad guy. guy. He's just doing what he wants to do. And he doesn't this care is my he's world. a bad guy. But the governor, yeah, but but the governor felt like he was doing for the betterment of society. It was just a very oppressive society. He was, yeah. Uh, well he was and i like the like i mean there's some companion books that are with the series like the um the road to woodsbury oh it was so good i never read that honest to goodness good like i mean the one books are so good in terms of companion books Mm -hmm. to the series and i mean the road to woodsbury and then the governor and then you see the backstory of the governor and you're not quite sure if he's the quote-unquote good brother or the bad brother because they never say whether or not he's mm-hmm. one brother or the other brother they i don't think did did the governor have a name or was he just was he philip blake or was he the other brother like but i think he was Whatever. philip blake but <laughs> we're not quite sure if it is actually philip blake mm-hmm. or if it's the other brother that had a little bit of a gross undertone to him he was not the good guy he was a little gross he was kind of incestuous he was kind of pedophilia like type like when you read that governor book you're just like "Mm, this guy's not right there's something off about him and this Mm -hmm. this whole apocalypse sort of allows him the freedom to sort of express those desires but and then you have the good brother who mm-hmm. it's that Cain and Abel story basically where you have the good brother and right. he's just trying to make do with what they have and he's trying to protect the whole family but yeah you'd never know if the governor is actually the real Philip Blake and he's just sort of been pushed into this like I'm doing the good for everyone but also some of that good means that I have to do a little bit of bad and 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 do some torturing yeah. and 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 so forth but mm-hmm. uh i i i truly enjoyed that arc because it, it was the arc that just you were like oh my god something horrible this is gonna get bad this is not good this is gonna get worse this isn't gonna get better and mm-hmm. and we also got introduced to michonne and an arc and i love she's yes. my favorite character of the entire series i love her what did who coined the phrase i think it was mm-hmm. i think it was kevin smith that coined the phrase um and, and when he was talking to robert kirkman he said and and michonne was first introduced and he said dude you got yeah. your boba fett it's, oh my god that is <laughs> i think yeah. i think that was kevin smith uh, I'll, I'll look that up. That would that would but, make um, the most sense. <laughs> uh, yeah, she what, what a great character. <laughs> what a great character. I mean, the 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 book was rife with with really good characters and good supporting characters and ones who started off as maybe tertiary mm-hmm. and then kind of rose up. He brought them up. He he was so deft at hag- handling large mm-hmm. casts, you know, and everyone had their own distinct personality and. They're all black and white. So you would think in black and white, it'd be harder to tell some people apart and all that because mm-hmm. you usually have color schemes and stuff that help with that. But no, I never I never had trouble figuring out who everyone was. Uh, uh, I would say Tony Moore had the more, better yeah. detailed art 
and Charlie, Charlie, he, he came in, 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 in his own, but he yeah. took a longer time to find his style. And um, so his, his characters looked a little samey, like some of the blondes were like uh, a little mm-hmm. bit the same. Um, but uh, it was the writing, which okay, okay, I know whose voice this I is. Know, I, know I know if, if a character was having an internal monologue, yeah. he knew exactly which character was having the internal monologue. It was so well done. It was such a great series. Um, yep. Up until, oh, you want to talk about the ending? <laughs> so we don't have to specifically talk exact everything that happened into it. I I do want to talk a little bit about the um, the marketing of the ending, or or rather the false. Uh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> so. So Robert Kirkman, so Robert Kirkman decides he's going to end the series, and he he said he kind of wrote himself into an early grave. <laughs> Sorry, all these uh, zombie puns and all that, but um, he he brought an element of the story earlier in yeah. than he wanted to, and um, I think his goal was to get to two hundred two hundred issues, but he ended at one ninety three. And, um, but he didn't market it as the end. In fact, he went as so far as to um, create synopses of mm-hmm. future issue arcs and gave them to Diamond Distribution, uh, who is the main distributor for uh, comics. And so they, they ran like issue you know, 195, 196, 197, because they always run like three months ahead. And he like pulled the rug out from under them and just informed readers at the end of 193 that this was the uh, this is the last mm-hmm. issue of The Walking Dead. So mm-hmm. no one saw that coming. It was a complete surprise. Um, your your major character was killed the 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 issue before, and. Um, it was like a surprise. It was a surprise to fans. It was a surprise to, to publishers. Um, I don't know who was in the circle of people that knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. He must have told his editor. Uh, but um, yeah, and uh, so ended The Walking Dead with uh, with a with a bang, not a whimper. That <laughs> uh, he thought he would write like he he he. he but no things to write about like he kind of he, he thought any, if he was to make that push to 200 that it wouldn't be the same quality and i mean i, mean, I guess the, this whole series was very in quality there's better arcs than others but um it's still yeah. pretty um, much left on top um so yeah uh, i have well if you could see my face right now um <laughs> were, were you shocked where were you were were you a trade paperback reader or were you a I monthly was reader? A monthly reader online. I did it online, and then yeah. I also did okay. collect the trade paperback, so I would read every single, I reread everything again as a whole because it made okay. more sense, just in terms of arcs. Um, yeah, yeah. I I stopped after itch issue fourteen with the monthly, and I I just went straight. It, to it just worked for so a, a good so well in the trades um and i think that's also the brilliance of the writing is that reading those six issues in one volume it worked really well 
But uh um <sighs> wrap up okay. I'm just gonna say that it was okay. Um you're never gonna be happy with how something ends ever. You're never gonna be like, oh that tied up really well. Uh but uh, uh he could have done a whole Negan arc and he didn't. He could have done a whole fr- and this is where the show and I haven't watched the most recent season, but I've seen like the behind the scenes and the lead up and mm-hmm. and the building up the story. He could have done a whole Negan arc. Right. And that was never explored. And as far as I'm concerned, that's where he could have taken the the last you know, seven issues, but, uh, it's okay. It ended. Um, Carl's still alive in the comics. He makes it to the very end. So does Sophia. Yeah. Um, so does baby Herschel. Uh, baby Herschel makes it. Um, (laughs) Rick does not make it. Yep, he, he gets he, he surprisingly shot in a hospital bed. The penultimate. <laughs> uh-huh. That That's that a, definitely uh, takes us full circle, circle there, and uh, like that was a shock for I think most fans was the fact that they that he finally did it that Rick met his end, and um, yeah. yeah, it was just it was them living in a in a in a like in a pretty much accepting. Like it's reestablished society. Things are going well. There's no war anymore. There's the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth. Um, yeah. uh, Carl is a blacksmith, if I remember correctly. He was. Uh, he was a. He's a trades worker, but I believe he's a blacksmith because he was learning how to do that trade. And uh, he's married to Sophia. And Sophia, well, I mean, hmm. there was that nice. whole period of, there's always been that whole, well, they are, won't they, thing with those two characters since they were little in yeah. the, the start of the story where it's like, oh, look at that cute little boyfriend and girlfriend. And they're like, no way, gross, ew, blah, kind of thing. But they're married now. Yeah. Um, and Sophia's having some issues yeah. with Herschel, who's her younger brother, Um and he's sort of running this zombie sideshow, and she she's just not accepting of that. She doesn't love it. It's just it's really just a wrap up of just them living in a normal sort of mundane life, sort of similar to what the world was like before. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a wrap up. Okay, that's right. fine. But I mean, could we have done with some more Negan? Probably yes. <laughs> yeah, it it is hard to to let go of a series, and especially when you have like such a large cast, and you can easily see it continuing. But it it looks like Kirkman really saw Rick as his lead and his linchpin, and the sh- the comic was gonna live mm-hmm. and, live and die with um with him. Yes, that's, yeah, that's I can see that, but I mean. Um, he even said in the beginning, he goes, Rick could die at any point. Anyone could die at any point. He goes, at one point, he he yeah. he had planned on certain characters meeting their end. But as he was writing it, he started to see in the story development that it was trailing towards that way. And 
I guess that's right. sort of how he sort of wrote himself in a corner, sort of basing everything around Rick. But again, he had such a yeah. great story arc. He could have done the Negan arc and it would have been beauty, like just beauty. And Negan, I mean, <laughs> in terms of character, he's he sort of is always the villain. He's never been the good guy. And even right. like in later issues, uh, even with his relationship with Carl when he's captured, there's this whole exchange. They sort of develop a friendship. It's kind of weird, but it, you kind of you kind of understand why Carl's yeah, kind yeah. of going to Negan at this point because his dad doesn't understand him, and neither does Andrea, because he's sort of right. he he accelerated in terms of maturity so quickly he's not a normal kid and he can't relate to any of the other kids his age yeah and 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 negan sort of sees that like sees that and sort of accepts that of him and doesn't expect him to behave any other way but who he is at this point and he doesn't know the backstory either so he doesn't know carl more than the carl right. that he sees before him at this current point in the story so uh, you know, it's just, it's interesting. Like, I love that dynamic. And, and it just, it, there's so many dynamics that he could have explored. And there was that whole Alpha Whispers arc where I, like, I, this is why I go, yeah, where I, I go, who is yeah, a better that. villain. And I, I mean, I Alpha, she's, a, she's an okay villain, but she's mm -hmm. not Negan level villainry. Like, yeah, kind of he peaked with, peaked Negan. with Negan. I mean, Alpha, I like, yeah, he, you can try, because she put everyone, she put a bunch of heads on a pike. Like, she put um, Rosita's head on a pike. She put um, Ezekiel's head on a pike. She put a whole bunch of main characters' heads on pikes. And then, and uh, I just, for me, that still wasn't as bad as bashing Glenn's brains in in front of everybody in the comics. That's still yeah. the penultimate moment in the oh, comics. That is a comic moment where it's like we're not yeah. going back, baby. The wheels are off. Yeah, that 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 scene will live with me <laughs> as as one of those ones you I cannot mean, Stephen, scrub you can from sign your, that page. Your mind. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, he told me. That. That so he was so nice about it, though. He was super nice, and I, I'm dark. my cousins are really like if they're listening to this. Um, they, I, I have this horrible habit of going to like fan expos and comic cons and getting actors from The Walking Dead to sign a specific panel of the story. It's not always death panels, but certain deaths I've gotten them to sign. So that's one that I got Steven to sign because it's so like oh. epic, you know. <sighs> I mean, it's so bad. I, I mean, Man. I I met um, yeah. I met the governor. Uh, what's his name? I'm having a moment. Uh, David. What's his name? David. Uh, anyways, English actor. He was in Doctor Who. Um. Yeah. I made him sign the scene where the governor comes in on the tank. 
Um, Abraham, unfortunately, I made him sign okay. his arrow through the eye death scene. And I have been such a fan of, like, I didn't get to meet him, which was so sad because I've been such a fan of his since 90210 days, like Beverly Hills 90210 mm-hmm. days, and have had such a major crush on him. And so I didn't actually get to meet him, which is like, ah, uh, because he's such a great actor, comedic and serious. He's fantastic. And I loved him as Abraham. Yeah. More brilliant death scene, obviously, on the show. But anyway, so yeah, I have this horrible habit of making them sign specific scenes. You, you like to keep. I do. Like Stephen was very humble. nice about it though, because I brought it up and I was like, <laughs> "I'm so sorry to do this, but I need you to sign this page." And he was like, "Come on!" And I was like, "I hope this doesn't happen because you're my favorite character on the show right now." He's like, "Right now," and I'm like, "No." I mean, like, I just hope that you don't die because then you won't be my favorite character on the show anymore. And he was just so nice. <laughs> Like, I was just like, thank you so much. <laughs> and he's had such great success since leaving the show. But, yeah. Oh, that yeah. that was one scene I, I had to get signed. And I just put it in front of him and, you know. <sighs> that's, that's great. Um, yes. All right. We are going to move on from The Walking Dead. Um, it's one of those you have to really thought, but it's um it's yeah it's it's one of those night of the living dead moments that that Mm -hmm. brings zombies to the forefront again and it's so nice to see that it was a comic book that helped do that Oh, it seems like we have a lot more to talk about The Walking Dead than uh, we realize, or zombies in general. Um, this is now going to be part two. This was originally going to be only a three-part series, but uh, we had a lot to say on the subject. So stay tuned for next episode where we start getting into some of the influential movies that help bring the zombie genre back from the dead and we'll be covering that next episode for mallory i am david this is may contain violence and thanks for listening Intro and outro music by Greg Hatton.